0: Hello, welcome to Strange Love Movies. My name is Olivia Martinez and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Oscar and Emily Martinez. And today we are on episode three of our Cone Brothers series where we'll be talking about Miller's Crossing. Also, do not mind this raspy voice I have right now. I'm not sure what came over me. But nonetheless, Miller's Crossing is totally different than their prior film, Raising Arizona. And that was kind of the point, right, Dad?
1: Yes, absolutely. They wanted to make something completely different. And I think that's one of the things that appeals to us about the Combe Brothers is that they make different genre films. And they're not
0: scared to. No, not at
1: all. And, it's, and you really can't... There's an un, there are underlying themes that you will hear in the, in the course of this series because they have 18 films and we're committed. That's how committed we are to A Strange Love Nation. We're going to watch every one. and Most of them we have seen before, so they, they probably are one of our favorite um uh director writer directors and i
0: had never seen miller's crossing but i'd always heard really good things about it and i'm really happy i watched it
2: and really this was a good signal as to what was to come for the cone mm-hmm. brothers because they continued throughout their career or current career to change it up between comedies and dramas and um, have very different characters and very different settings. And um, they're not at all, they've never been interested in just doing the same thing
0: over and over again. Not at all. This is probably their most violent film besides No Country for Old Men, I would say. And, but this violence, I mean, this is gangster violence. This movie deals with gangsters and they're kind of in a nondescript city. It's not New York city. I think they filmed it in New Orleans, but I definitely wasn't like set in New Orleans or anything like that. I think it was supposed to probably be like Chicago or New York because it was the
2: kind of the Irish gang versus the Italians. Exactly. And it
1: stars. Gabriel Byrne is the main actor in this, uh, along with. Albert Finney and one of their all-time favorites, John Turturro. Oh, he's crazy! <laughs> who uh, they've made several films with, uh, but had some great. They have such great character actors. Steve Buscemi's in it again. Uh, they've used him and other things. And John Polito, you may not recognize the name, but he uh, he's come out in several come Brother films. He always plays the kind of slimy kind of guy, and he, he's one of the uh, gang bosses, and Albert Finney's the other gang boss, and then the love interest is Marsha Gay Harden, uh, Texas's own, right? Isn't she from Dallas? I
0: believe so, yeah. yeah.
1: Anyway, but she... I don't like her. Yeah, she played a... Uh, I don't
0: like this character. All that, yeah,
2: she is not a likable person, but she does a good job Great at performance. It.
1: And uh Francis McDormand makes make a small appearance, too. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: That was probably like half a day on set. That's <laughs> such a funny, yeah. Yeah.
1: But anyway, the plot has to do with turf wars in, like we said, Chicago, New Orleans, some, mo- some modern-day city in, what is it, 1930s? Yeah. yeah. And uh, prohibition's still in effect, right? You get that well, I, vibe, right? And they're
2: kind of fighting over the territory as to who gets to distribute the alcohol and who gets to control the police because it's very corrupt police department and um, they're just as guilty as the criminals, really.
0: And what this does so well, just like uh, other really good gangster films, including The Godfather, yeah, movies like that. It's a pretty contained story for a movie about a turf war and gangs and all of that, because we only follow a few characters. And really, while you're following them, you're kind of like, this is such a waste of time. This is useless. They're not really fighting for anything like tangible, you know? It's not like they're going out to steal a diamond or something like that. It's just really for control over the city and all of that. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was really well done. And I did too. I thought it was a good movie. I
2: don't think, I think it was definitely um, inspired by the classic gangster movies and including the characters. I think that the idea of the bad guy who still has his own moral code that he lives by is um, something that. Goes back to Cagney movies.
1: Yeah, and it definitely you know the whole thing about uh, Gabriel Byrne is Albert Finney's right hand man, who may. He's or, insane. Who, Yeah, who may or may not have a relationship with Marsha Gay Harden, who's the boss's girl. You know, that's a whole classic tale too. Real, real um, in keeping with the gangster genre, and um, but yeah, it's 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 a, it's it's a it's definitely a noir drama. And
0: the reason why this Albert Finney character is so insane is because of probably the best scene in the film, we can all agree. Let's just say some people attack his house, but he's ready. And yeah, he's ready. <laughs> he cannot be taken easily. Not let's at Let's put all. it
2: that way. He's ready to fight back and I know, he's a winner.
1: A, there's a feeling of dread. That's one of their best uh, set pieces, I think, in any oh, film yeah. because it's it's just so choreographed so well. Where he sees the smoke, and they're gonna smoke him out of this this mansion, and and then they're about to. And there was like a nod to the good, the bad, and the ugly. There's a famous scene where Clint East was cleaning his gun and trying to put bullets in it because he hears the creaking of the wood outside. Same thing here. So that was kind of a a tribute to all sorts of movie makers. And and did you notice in the beginning, it was very similar to The Godfather, too, where there are three men sitting around, what? A desk. A desk. We will talk about the desk in future episodes, too. A desk always figures prominently in Coen Brother films. There's always somebody behind it in power, somebody on the other side asking for something, and maybe not even asking so nicely, you know, in this and, case.
2: Yeah, going back to that scene with Albert Finney and the, the shootout, and oh, Danny Boy is playing, or Danny Boy is playing in the background as this whole violent scene plays out, and that also adds a lot of drama because he's proud of his Irish roots, and he's, in a lot of ways, he also has his own sort of moral standard. He's a criminal, but... He believes in doing things the old-fashioned way. I guess as the the crime game is somewhat changing, so his the playing of Danny Boy kind of shows his nostalgia.
0: That's what makes gangster films so good because there is like they always do have a piece of them. There's like they they have heart in the crime. I don't know. They're not always just like purely terrible, or at least the best gangster movies you see. Not really in this one, but in other ones, you know, family and all that. And this one really. Maybe friendship is the biggest yes, thing. Yes, I have. think that is and I don't you, know.
2: In some ways you don't really know that until later in the movie. Near the end, yeah. Um now I have to argue that some of the characters in this movie and in other gangster movies are pretty disgusting, pretty shameless, but they tend to be the secondary characters.
0: Yeah, I wanted to mention J. E. Freeman, who played Eddie. He was the worst, one of the worst people of all time. Great assistant, very loyal, but oh my gosh, he was so violent. He was, oh, I agree though. There are some really
1: gory people in
2: and this the film. And the Torturo character also is. is He's just, just gross. Beyond redemption. For
1: real. Well, and also Gabriel Byrne, uh, if you remember, his probably his most famous film is The Usual Suspects. That was 1995. This was five years earlier, 1990. Pretty uh-huh. much the same character, wouldn't you say? Kind yeah, of right. T- tough as nails, kind of cynical, real cynical, real smart, knows how the game is played, can talk his way out of a lot of things. But you wonder if he's telling the truth, and most of the time he is, but, but he's always holding something back. So he he's, he's almost as if he has all the cards, except at some point it, it turns on him and he wasn't expecting it. Or you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting character study. He always does such a good job.
0: Agree. And we need to talk about basically the most obvious symbol in a Coen brother movie so far, the hat. This movie was actually inspired by Joel and Ethan Coen seeing a fedora like hat in the woods, like rolling around by the wind and in the dirt and stuff because they thought that would be like a really cool image in a film. And so throughout this movie, they're constantly putting on their hats, taking them off, talking about the hats. Uh, What's the character, the Italian mob boss is obsessed with, what was it, Hi hat?
1: Yeah, the high hat, yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, he always accuses people of being, of putting on the high hat. It's understandable, though, because this character is goofy. He's not really that scary until later on in the film.
2: <laughs> I know, it's funny. He's kind of the comic relief in a lot of ways. Yeah. He and his son. Oh, that son. Um, But he also is, again, a dangerous character. Kind of reminds you, just like the Albert Finney boss, Kind of like him. I mean, he is a likable person, and um, you realize that he has great affection for his assistant, and maybe in a lot of ways tries to keep things under control and not too violent. But he is also, at at his heart, a pretty pretty dangerous character. Yeah, that's a good
0: point.
1: Well, and also, yeah, it is as far as Coen brother movies go. It is possibly the most violent. Again, you mentioned *The Country* for all men, for sure. But even the cover of the DVD, yes, we still watch DVDs. Uh, A man on his knees facing a man wearing a black overcoat, holding a gun on him. That's that's not going to be a light romantic comedy. Certainly so much different than Raising Arizona. And it kind of thematically, it's dark. It's a dark film. And there are some funny times, but it's not a comedy at all. It's a a straight up drama and lots of bullets fly, you know, classic gangster film, I guess.
0: Exactly. And that's kind of why I didn't love this movie. I liked it and I do respect it, but I just, I don't know. I mean, I like some dark movies and stuff like that, but these were just characters who I didn't want anything to do with. But I mean, because of the Coen brothers, great filmmaking, I felt absorbed and like, I was following the story. I was Rooting for them, kind of, but a part of me was just like, these people are ew. Like, why am I rooting for these people? I don't know. They are pretty despicable. Mm-hmm. And even
2: Gabriel Byrne, who is the, I wouldn't say he's the hero at all, but he's the protagonist, yes. I guess, the main character. He ultimately does, he has a reason for doing what he's doing. And he is, I guess you'd say, not all
0: bad. But um, he does a lot of bad things along the way. And he's still just kind of annoying because he loves this girl so much. And she is terrible to him, terrible to everyone. And she's going to get him into so much trouble. And he knows that. But for some reason, he'll sacrifice everything for her.
1: Well, and it's also interesting, the backstory on this film, because they were taking a long time to write it. And they had essentially writer's block. It's a famous story that they tell. So they they, they left the set and for three weeks they tried something else and that's when they wrote Barton Fink which mm-hmm. we'll be talking about next week which mm-hmm. is their their fourth film and that's pretty dark too you know if yes, you think it about is. it that's a little funnier because of the, the studio execs and and whatever but that kind of an, an, uh, uh, opened up their imagination for to finish this one which is interesting because it's like you wouldn't think the same person had made those two movies
0: yeah and then right after that it's Husker proxy it's just a weird. Yeah, man, maybe they just go through literally, like, dark times in their lives and happy times. Maybe, it's a weird yeah. thing. And, you know, I have to say, I guess one criticism
2: is, you mentioned Marcia Gay Harden um, is the is basically the only woman in the movie. Pretty much. Um, And she does a good job with the role. But I almost wonder if that's one of those things where if, like, if I were the casting director, if I would have pick somebody different, because there's really nothing that special about her. Not that she has to be like a great beauty, but if you could somehow find an actress who has something that just really makes her stand out, because I'm I'm thinking of like the old gangster movies, a lot of times the women were, um, I don't know, just sexy somehow. I mean, Barbara Stanwyck, I never thought she was pretty, but there's just something about her that you can see just attracts men. I don't know that Marcia Gay, I don't know that it was her fault, but I don't think the character really shows why she would be so attractive to all these men. Because
0: she's so mean to them, and she's like so secretive and weird, and she has this dopey brother who is John Turturro. And it's just like, yeah, she's a weird character. I don't know. I like that they were trying to incorporate a woman into their movies, because as you'll see later on in the series, they don't normally do a great job with their female characters. Even though their first film did star Frances McDormand, yeah, I don't know.
1: Well, and at some level, they were all playing um, characters you're familiar with. You know, she was a tough, excuse my language, because this isn't the appropriate nomenclature, but broad, right? She's a tough broad, <laughs> yeah, right? right? And just, you know, tough as nails, can drink anybody under the table, whatever, all these things. The and, mall. Like yeah, the mall, mall. Yeah, And, and the gangsters were the same way, too. You've seen the gangsters in other films. That, but as far as, um, yeah, and this is interesting, too. I've mentioned a few times, uh, or I will be mentioning a few times, right? That some of the movies that I really didn't care for, I'm finding that I kind of like now. This one I remember lo- loving, loving, just really thought it was so great. And I was like, yeah. When we saw it again recently, it was, I don't know why exactly, except so for that scene, that one scene where I mean, it was great a, scene. it's a good film, but it, I don't think it was really great as you know as I thought it was. Also, before. the
0: cinematography <laughs> is really dull in it. I mean. Yeah, I think it's mostly in the winter, so everything is dead. Whenever they're in the trees and stuff, it's super dead and ugly. But it's just kind of like hard to stay focused on the movie, just because it doesn't look that great. Like Raising Arizona, the prior film, looks so good and it's so colorful. They're in. Again, they're in Arizona. And it's just, I don't know, something about this wasn't as engaging visually. And maybe they did that on purpose, but at the same time, why didn't they make it in black and white? If they were fully trying to make a noir, like may as well do black and white instead of just this drab, ugly winter. I don't know.
2: Although I do think that was, uh, I guess I should look at the dates, but it seems like that was a time when there were quite a few movies that were coming out in black and white Uh, to try to kind of be artsy.
0: And so maybe they wanted to avoid that. I can see that. And really, they've only made one black and white film, right? Which we haven't gotten Uh, to Oh, right, yes. Yeah, Yeah. so maybe you're right. They're probably trying to avoid this stereotypical artsy-fartsy.
1: Artsy, but not fartsy. (laughs) Hey, uh, one last point, and then we can get to ratings maybe. But uh, the Coen Bros are obviously fans of of cinema, right, with a capital C. So you see a lot of references to other movies and a lot of not exactly Easter eggs. But we had had to see it a couple of times to realize the very final scene. Have you ever heard of a movie called *The Third Man*? A famous movie from the '40s, uh, set in Vienna, post-war Vienna. It's a classic tale of talk about a noir film, you know. Oh, yeah, just, you know. And uh, but and very, also
2: friends. It's also about friends and whether they should betray each
0: other. Yes, et
1: cetera. yeah. But there's a real keep an eye out for that because it's 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 worth when you make the connection. It's kind of cool when you when you see it.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. We don't want to spoil exactly how it ends, so we're not going to say, but check out Third Man. Even though
1: people have had 80 years to see it.
0: Yeah, fair, but I don't know. It's such a good movie. We don't want to do that. Let's get to ratings. Let's do the obvious. Hats. How many hats out of five would we give Miller's Crossing?
2: I think I'd give it 3.5. Okay. Um, I thought it, I did think it held up pretty well, but like you say, it's not the kind of movie you want to watch very often. Um, It's and it had some, it wasn't, I think, really that innovative or didn't have that much to say. But still, I thought it was well-made, and, and it was a good story.
1: I give it three hats, three out of five. I, I Again, I was disappointed um, because I'd held it in such high regard. And, and I don't know, there was something about it. It wasn't quite like this. We've commented on this. It was 1990, so just one year after 89, the 80s. Movies from that period... They just look kind of grimy and uh, it looks like a some sort of like now you put a 70s filter on Instagram or so you know what I mean. Like it looked like a shot through something else, it wasn't bad quality, but it just
0: could have been the DVD though,
1: yeah, it could have been, but it didn't. But I think it was, I think it was Blu ray, wasn't
0: it? I don't know. (laughs) I would also give the film three hats because. I don't really want to go back to it at any time. And, I mean, again, there are so many great gangster films that I would happily go back to at any time. And something about this just didn't click. I think it was maybe the lack of humor because there really was not much funniness except for that dopey son. Yeah, That was about it, though. And it was, like, hard to stay fully engaged when it's just like dreadful and you don't like any of the characters but it was really well made so kudos to you cone brothers
1: yeah anything about the music it was mostly period music 1929s 1920s 1930s it's kind of atmospheric
0: thought it was well used carter burwell always does a great job with their scores he's been working with the cone brothers forever yeah it was
1: his third collaboration and what is it up to now almost 15 right or something yeah just about every movie he's he's done the music for
0: pretty crazy but on that note, follow us on Instagram at Strange Love of Media. Visit our website, StrangeLoveOfMovies.com. And thank you for listening to our third episode of our Cone Brothers series with Miller's Crossing. Next week will be, like we said before, Barton Fink, which is also a dark one, but we have some pretty interesting thoughts on that performance.
1: And we'll show you the life of the mind. We'll show you the life of the mind. Uh,
0: bye, guys.